All right. Well, today we actually have a guest speaker. Oh, yay. Who is that? Jerry. No. (laughs) (laughs) And I go, no one told me. Oh, yeah, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> no, we were, uh, last couple of weeks we were talking about just sharing, like everyone sharing testimonies and whatnot, and uh, Anna is going to share her story Yoo-hoo. today, so. Yay. Yeah, so maybe if we can get just a few people around Anna and just lay hands on her and pray for her and bless her before she starts. How about that? Do it. Yeah. <laughs>
parties, worldly stuff. But from as small as I can remember, I knew that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and what he wrote. But what that really meant or how it worked, I didn't understand. I just thought that we had to try our best during our lives like that. Sinners will always stay sinners until they die. That's how I got it always knew. And I remember always thinking that one day when I would be older, I would understand. So when I was 18, I came to Ontario as my mom had passed away. Yeah, I grew up in Mexico during the Mexico. <laughs> so yeah, at the age of 18, I came to Ontario as my mom had passed away. And my dad got remarried, so my dad said I could go live with my sisters if I wanted to, just to move on and try to get over all the hard things we had gone through. And so yeah, just lived here, um, same life as before. And at the age of 20, I was going through a very hard time where life just seemed so dark. I didn't feel worthy of anything anymore. I felt this emptiness inside of me. All the time, I would cry a lot. I just hated my life. I didn't want this life anymore. And I really wanted to change because I just felt like there had to be something better in life than this. So shortly after, I decided to get baptized. So. My life changed a lot. I stopped partying, getting drunk, and all that junk. And in June 2017, I got baptized. I really wanted to do this right, like getting baptized and living a better life. I searched every way that I knew when I got baptized. So, um, two months after getting baptized, I got married. great marriage, life was awesome, but still, always felt like there was something missing. I still felt this empty place inside of my heart. I didn't know what it was. We always went to church on Sundays. I prayed. Um, I learned uh, that we could pray like uh, to God about anything we wanted to. It didn't have to just be prayers. Like, we learned from small, like um, I used to grow up pretty much always just saying prayers like that. So I would pray to God um, about anything I felt like praying to Him. And just live my life as good as I knew how to, which was how it works. And I thought I was saved because I didn't know of any other way of being saved than repent and get baptized with water and then I would be a good person and hoping I would get better and better and maybe make it to heaven one day. And after being married for three years, I still prayed to God for this good Christian life. Which doesn't make sense now. <laughs> I was still praying for this good Christian life and so yeah, um, last year, September, um, me and Lily, 
excited to come to this Bible study, and I loved it from the first night on the came. I was so into it, and in a couple of months, I had learned and heard more than I ever did in my whole life, and heard so much about the Bible. And I was so hungry for God's work. So, one Monday morning, <coughs> into my bedroom, laying down beside my bed and just praying out loud and crying, thanking God more than I ever had for everything and for who he says I am. And that nothing I can do because of what he did for me, dying on that cross, so I, a sinner, could have eternal life and that nothing I can do to made me right with him, but except what he did was enough. And then I don't remember getting out of my bedroom. All I remember, I ran around in the kitchen crying out loud like a baby and laughing at the same time. Looking out the window, just remember, everything was brighter than ever. And I just ran through the thunder. I still don't know why. <laughs> but um, I guess because I never wanted to forget what day it was that this had happened. <laughs> and I wanted to call or text somebody, but I didn't even know what I really wanted to tell them. <laughs> but I just knew that something had happened to me. And I was shaking all over, but I had this happiness that I can't explain. So that's when I know that I got saved. <laughs> and since that day, my life has just completely changed. I don't have to try to, um, to, to want to live this good life anymore. Uh, I just, I just have it there that I want it.
Dawn 316. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. What verse is that? That is First John three nine. 
that only in Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them, so they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. Show us more and more of 
his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ, Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live in the lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God. For you are dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Mm. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you are slaves to of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, <coughs> you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness which leads even deeper into sin, which leads ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteousness, to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you are slaves to sin, you are free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end an eternal day. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. me why I can 
and the truth. So this is Second Corinthians 3, uh, 7 to 18. First I'm thinking I'm just reading the last four verses.
to work on it, it was hard. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. okay, uh, maybe God does say something like that to people. <laughs> but then I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm just telling myself that.
and that I still have to experience sometimes in my dreams. But yeah, uh, this night, <laughs> I had another dream. Um, it was like she came back, like she, she, had, she died, but she came back for a little bit just to tell us that um, she got saved the last days yet before she passed away. And that not by doing her best and by works and all that, uh, but she knew that not uh, like that, but that was not the way of getting saved. So, um, yeah, and I just, I, I could touch her too. Before it was always like I couldn't get to her. We, like whenever she would hug me, I couldn't hug her. Now I could have her too. I could be with her, and I just thought that that was amazing. That uh, having a dream like that, God was telling me that she did get saved. But then I wasn't sure if I could believe in a dream because I, I don't know. I just didn't know if I could look at that uh, as that. But then I think it was the next night. I had that same dream again, and I just made me so happy, and I've never thought about it after again, it never made me worried anymore, and I just have a little piece of it that God was telling me in the dream that my mom did get saved, so that I don't have to worry about it. First popped in my head right away when you were saying these stories at the end of Proverbs 16.33. Amplified says, The lot is cast into the lap, but the decision is wholly of the Lord. Even the events that seem accidental are really ordered by Him. <laughs> it's the last verse in Proverbs 16. That's the Amplified Classic Version. That's been one of my favorite scriptures for a long time. <laughs> but yeah, isn't that amazing, guys? Mm, that is, this right here is a transformed life. Yeah. Anna's not just, she didn't just say a prayer one day and then that's it. Like there's, faith looks like something, right? It's just amazing. Like mm. salvation comes through a revelation of Jesus and not myself, not a revelation of myself. And once you get Jesus, once Jesus lives inside of you, then you get a revelation of who you are. Mm. It's the opposite way. The world's trying to find themselves through experience and whatever. Anything other things, right? Jesus like come to me and then I'll tell you what you are and I'll, I'll show you what you were from the beginning that you never knew who you were and like it's just like Will and Anna you guys have been such an encouragement to me and Steph mm -hmm. and I know so many people here and 
Like how God is using you, starting a, your own Bible study. Yeah. No matter how big it is or whatever. How, how long have you been saved? Eight months, nine months, ten months, something like that? Since September. Oh, no, not even. That's when we started going to the Bible study. It's like <laughs> a couple months after that. Yeah. yeah. So this is salvation, transformation of life. Yeah. You have to go from some place to a different place. You look like this, now you don't look that. You look like something totally different. But it's, it feels so effortless. And once it feels burdensome, that's when you're stepping in those shoes again. Jesus, follow me. That's what you're saying. But he's saying, follow me instead. Right? So, yeah, I just want to encourage you. And especially, thank you for sharing. Is that your first time sharing your story with everybody? First time sharing. That's awesome. So good. And your story will only grow. It'll just get bigger and bigger and bigger. That's so, oh man. Thanks so much for sharing. <sighs> Does anyone have anything on their heart? Anything they want to tell Anna or? Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. No, it's yeah, just, whatever. I just had to blow my nose from mine. But yeah, it's, I haven't heard that full story. So that just blesses my heart to see and hear just God loving you and transforming your life like oh such a blessing <laughs> such a blessing and even those little stories that you think are insignificant are just they're not <laughs> so good god is so good and um yeah that's just a huge encouragement to me and we love you guys and keep on keeping on for god <laughs> yeah keep, keep keep staying thirsty and hungry you know that's just awesome thanks for sharing <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah well that is awesome I feel like uh, your story is totally just like exactly the something that God has <laughs> shown me to prepare or and what I prepared for this week anyways if we want to go to John chapter 1 we're going to read from 1 to 14 yeah John 1, verse 1 to 14. I'm going to read in the NLT. It says, In the beginning, the Word already existed, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. 
the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory and the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So, do we know that that word he's talking in the beginning was Jesus? You know, the word became a human. You think about that. This book that we have, the Bible, God's word, right? Those words printed in ink or digitally or however you look at it <laughs> became a person. A human with, with skin and bones and feelings and was born through a woman, was in her tummy for nine months, around about there, and that's God. And God decided, this is what I'm going to do. Because, why? Because we're horrible sinners and... No, you don't pay a huge price for something that's not worth anything, right? He did this because we were lost sons and daughters and we didn't know who we were, how to even get there, or even ask the right question. But he came. He was the word. And like, I was just through this week, I was asking God, like, oh, what do I share about? I don't know what to share about. And, and God just reminded me, he's like, what are you trying to do? He's like, just be with me. I'm like, oh yeah, Del. We forget. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm struggling to do this thing. He's like, I didn't call you to just write messages. I called you to be with me. Like, I want you to be with me. And I just started thinking about all the ways why I love Jesus, why I love him. And I just made this little list. So here's how you can tell if you're in love with Jesus, okay? When someone asks you, are you a Christian? you know what it means to be a Christian and what Christian means. You know, Christian, the word Christian means Christ-like one. You are like Christ. Jesus was a Christ, so we're like Jesus. If we're not like Jesus, no one can see that we're like Jesus. We have to reevaluate our life, right? My response is always, I love Jesus. Someone asks me, are you a Christian? I say, I love Jesus. I think that's the correct response because I look like him, I act like him, I speak like him, everything's about him, right? Um, you're in love with God's word. And who is the word? Jesus. We just read that. Jesus, you're in love with the word. That's three, four weeks ago, God was sharing that to me. Like, if I say I'm in love with Jesus and I don't love his word, I'm not in love with Jesus. So my, I know what I'm in love with by the amount of time I give it, by the amount of mental capacity I give it, how much I think about it, how much effort and value I place on that thing, whatever it is. I used to read 
the Bible and, and spend time with the Word when, when I was in YOM, not all the time, but sometimes, because I had to, that was part of the week session, or I was in the, in the Bible study, or the lecture, or whatever it was. And then occasionally I would, because I was just growing, right? But now I can't stop. I can't stop being the Word. I love the Word. I know I love the Word because it overtakes my life. Um, when you have nothing else, nothing else in your life that you run to for comfort but Him. Because you have found by experience He's a comforter. That's another way. If you don't feel comforted, if you feel lonely, if you feel depressed or whatever, by experience, we can see and know, come to know that He is our comforter. So there's nothing else. If there's something else in your life, when something goes wrong, you'll, we'll run to that. If it's a sin, or if it's another person, or if it's a, a good thing, whatever it is, we'll run to it. When we get sad or something, I just lock myself in my room and or whatever it is. People run to food, people run to whatever, drugs or alcohol or, or whatever. A lot of different things. A million different reasons why. Another reason how you can tell that you are in love with Jesus is when every moment of your time is wanting and desiring to be with him. Every moment of your time, all the time. Another reason, you sing to him. You worship him with song and tears and silence and words and dancing and smiling and you're unashamed. You're just doing it. It doesn't have to be in front of people, but it can be. When your desires are his desires and all the desires you had have fallen away and all that's left is him. You say he is your heart's desire, and then you actually desire him and long for him. It makes you sick inside and weak if you missed him at any opportunity. That's when you know. I really love Jesus, I really love Jesus. And you hear his voice, and for whatever reason, fear or something creeps in, and you don't do it, and you're like, oh man, I'm sorry, God. Like, I, like that's when you know like you're growing deeper into God, and you're... <laughs> you know he's not disappointed in you. You know he loves you, and like oh, I miss an opportunity to be with him. Mm -hmm. Right? You obey his word. His word governs your life, so the Bible is your authority for life. You know what you do is right or wrong, or your reasons for doing whatever you do come from the Bible. Right. So if you don't, if this doesn't sound like you, don't take on condemnation. Okay, it's a place to grow. But if this doesn't sound like you, then you don't know Jesus or love as well as you think you do. Doesn't mean you don't know him. It just means you're growing. And there's a much deeper place where your whole life can be consumed with him. And if you're in that boat with Jesus and there's a storm, you just snuggle up right beside him. You don't look at the storm. You don't care. You don't even notice. You're wet. 
there's water in the boat. You don't care. God's here. Like, like that's, that's what's important. Uh, can we go to Luke 10, verse 25? It's the most important commandment. You know what that is? Does anyone know what that is? Love. It's good. One word. <laughs> so, uh, verse 25. Uh, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? What do I do to get saved? What do I do to get rid of my sinful life and not go to hell and all these other things? Okay. Verse 26 says, Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. Then the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And this goes into the the parable of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped off his clothes and beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion on him. Going over to him, the Samaritan, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn, where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, "Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here." Now, which of these would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Okay, like, I, f I totally believe that we have two options. There's Jesus, it's our life. It's all about Jesus, all about Jesus. Totally 100% about Jesus, this side. And then other things. Everything else. Like, totally. If we read through the Bible, I remember growing up and hearing all over the place, like, there's. Shouldn't be so absolute. Shouldn't be so absolute in everything you say. And the more and more I read the word, I'm like, God is very absolute, extremely absolute. He's, he's super narrow, very narrow view. Like, this is the only way. Narrow is that road that leads to eternal life and really broad and wide is this way that leads to everything else. Right. So Jesus' love and that guy wanted to justify his actions. He said, who is, how do I do this? How do I do it? How do I love? He's like, I want to, he wants to find a loophole. Right? How do I do this? Or maybe there's a way that I don't have to do all that. Maybe I can be selfish sometimes a little bit. Because that's okay, right? 
I'm just taking care of myself. Okay? I got to take care of myself. You got to look after yourself, right? <laughs> right? This is, I feel like that's what's going through this guy's mind. In uh, Matthew twelve thirty, it says, anyone who isn't with me opposes me and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. I love that in the message translations, it's, this is the same verse. It says, this is war and there is no neutral ground. If you're not on my side, you're the enemy. If you're not helping, you're making things worse. Mm-hmm. Isn't that intense? That's intense. If you're not with Jesus, you're the bad guy. If you're not standing up, if you're walking beside someone who needs your help, you're not a Christ-like one. Not in that moment. Right? It's, it's heavy, but also liberating. You know? It can make you free. I am this person. I am the good Samaritan. Like Jesus said this story about a Samaritan because the Jews despised Samaritans. They didn't like Samaritans at all. They hated them because of something that happened a long time ago. So he picked someone that they would all see as like, oh, this is the bad guy in the story right away. And he ended up being the good guy because of what he did, not because of what he said. Right? How do I love someone? You can't just say I love you and never do anything. Love, faith, it has to have action. It has to. I can't just say to my wife every day, I love you, I love you, I love you. That is not love. Love should come. I can say that and she would receive it if actions have come before it. Does that make sense? I don't even have to say it and she will know it if my actions are love. Yeah. But you should say it too. <laughs> but it has no weight if you say it and you have, you have no actions with it, right? Um, if you want to go to Mark chapter 4, verse 16 to 19, I'm going to read this in a few translations as well because I just love the way it <coughs> spells it out. Uh, Mark uh, chapter 4, verse 16 to 19. I'm going to read this in the first in the Amplified Classic version. So remember, there's Jesus and then there's other things, right? Verse 16 says, and in the same way, uh, so this is the parable that the farmer sowing seed, right? In the same way, the ones sown among stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, at once receive and accept and welcome it with joy. And they have no real root in themselves, and so they endure for a little while. Then when trouble and persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately are offended and become displeased, indignant and resentful, and they stumble and fall away. And the ones sown among the thorns are others who hear the word, then the cares and anxieties of the world and distractions of the age and the pleasures and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches and the cravings and passionate desire for other things 
creep in and choke and suffocate the word mm -hmm. and it becomes fruitless. Do you get that? You understand what Jesus is trying to say there? He's talking about the word. The sower sows the seed, which is the word. Okay? The word of God. We wrote, we read through 1 John. Who is the word of God? Jesus is the word of God. The Bible. God's word. And we are like Christ's like ones. We are like him. So we should have this word in us and on us and through us and in our minds and can't help but quote it all the time because we love it so much, right? Like this is, this became so strong in my life a, a while back. I don't even remember how long now. At the end there, it says, and other things. Choke out and suffocate the word. That's everything else. Other things. There's Jesus and then there's other things. And there's a list here. The cares and anxieties of the world, distractions of the age, pleasure and delight, false glamour, deceitfulness of riches, and the craving, passionate desires for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless. So I've went through the last couple of years this real, um, what do you call it? Um, just purging of things out of my life. Like things that are distracting to me. that I find, oh, I'm wasting a lot of time on this. I'm just going to put this to the side. And find one thing and I find another thing and another thing and another thing. And I've been talking the last couple of days to some friends and stuff about, it's like, I want my life to be exactly what I was, we were reading at the beginning there. How you can tell that you love Jesus. I want nothing else to have my attention like Jesus has. I don't want to give myself to anything. I don't want to give myself to uh, social media. I don't want to give myself to um, conversations at, at my workplace that aren't glorifying to God. I don't want to give myself to unforgiveness or resentfulness or, or judging non-Christians for doing what they're doing or when they say bad things about me, I don't want to give any mind space, any heart, anything to that stuff. I don't need to. I need to be like Christ. Be a Christ-like one. Okay? Another verses. The same one, just in a different place in the Bible, Matthew 13, 21, says shortly after, uh, shortly after he hears it, troubles and persecutions come because of the kingdom message he received. Then he quickly falls away, for the truth didn't sink deeply into his heart. Mm -hmm. The seed sown among weeds represents the person who receives the message, but all of life's busy distractions... his divided heart, his ambition for wealth result in suffocating the kingdom message and prevent him from bearing spiritual fruit. Isn't that... Does that hit you like it hit me? Like, that's everything else. Everything else. 
So this is another, like, I have three, four scriptures here. I felt like what I said before, like Dara said, real, like, dividing line in, in God. You're, you're for me or against me, right? You're with me. You're the good guy or you're the bad guy, right? <laughs> That's how I see it. Like, you're black or white. You're with me or you're for me. Yeah. You're for me or you're against me. Then First uh, John uh, chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. Can I get someone else to read that? First John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. Do not love this world in do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and passions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. I feel like I read these first for the first time this week like <laughs> that is so intense do not love this world nor the things it offers you for when you love the world you do not have the love of the father in you for the world offers only cravings for physical pleasure and cravings for everything we see and the pride in our achievement and possessions these are not from the Father. These are not from God, these things. <laughs> those things, those, those things that everyone's proud of, you know? Look what I got. Like, I'm, I got a better job. I got a better house. I got, I got stability. I got, it says here, that's not from God. God didn't put that in you. Isn't that nuts? but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So what is God saying there? Does anyone have any, any thoughts on that? Like, are we supposed to not have anything and just... you live in Canada or if you live in wherever India or wherever you live there's there's a different different kind of life you live a different kind of life right first world nation second third world nation whatever it is you have different things and different things that hold different value mm. right but our value like what we should hold on first I just see the disciples on the boat and Jesus walking out to them. And Peter is like, if it's you, tell me to come and walk on the water. No one's ever walked on water before. And Jesus is like, yeah, it's me. And he walked on water. Everyone just remembers that he sank. But he walked on water. 
And then he looked away from Jesus. Mm. He looked at everything else, right? And he's like, save me! And Jesus saves him. So there are two people in the Bible that walked on water. Jesus and Peter. And when Peter was looking at Jesus, he was, he was doing the things that Jesus did. He didn't ask why. He didn't pray for it. He didn't, all this stuff wasn't coming through. Yeah. Yeah, so that's just what I was thinking. Like, there's so much in our in our life that we have opportunity to put before God. And the value that we put on it should be less. Right? Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Wife and son. And this is a family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does anyone have any uh, insights or anything they want to add to that? I um, the scripture that came to mind. I was thinking of Revelation three sixteen, where it's talking about like not being lukewarm. It's better to be hot or cold. Do you want to read that out? Yeah, um, it's just yeah. Revelations three sixteen, but since you are uh, you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Yeah. And then seventeen goes on to say, yeah. "You say I am rich. I have everything I want." I don't need a thing. You don't realize you're wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Like, look at me. I'm big shot. <laughs> I got all the stuff. I'm above people. And, and God's like, you're blind. You don't even... You're looking in the... You're not looking in the mirror. Right? That's good. So who thinks when we, uh, when I was reading that, that list of, here's how to tell if you're in love with Jesus. Who, who would say they're in love with Jesus? Okay. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Remember there's, if you're saved in this room, there's. This much condemnation for you. You can't be condemned. Zero. No matter if you, if you say to yourself, I don't look like that. I don't look like Jesus. Jesus chose us first before we chose him. Right? We don't get the right to be condemned. That's the enemy. Did God really say? All those verses that we read about salvation... Or the anorex. <laughs> we don't get the right. We don't have that right. Everyone who doesn't know Jesus, they don't even get that. Because they don't care. I remember when I didn't know Jesus, I didn't care about that. What do I care about? I wanted to do those things. That's what drove me. I thought about doing those things. And like, man. So when, like this message is 
Does everyone know who this guy is? <laughs> it's a painting that a little girl had of Jesus. This little girl, eight years old. Yeah. So I've heard it said before, and I'm saying it now too. When people ask me stuff about Jesus, I'll be like, I'm in love with a man. <laughs> this man right here, I'm in love with this man. This man, he... That's all I've been going through this week. Like, why do I love him? And it's just... I ask myself that and I just have to cry. I'm like, what is my life without Jesus? I cannot even imagine. I don't even want to try to think of what my life would be like before Jesus. Like, I have no idea. I don't know, you can ask my mom and dad what was going
seeking yeah. art and, and changing and, and having changed.